the incomparable. Number 117, December 2012. Welcome back to the Incomparable Podcast. I'm Jason Snell, and I'm joined by three fine members of our book club. Uh, we're going to talk about the latest in the Vorkosigan uh, series of books by Lois McMaster Bujold, which uh, we also talked about on a previous podcast called uh, the episode title was My Word is Vorkosigan. The link's in the show notes. Uh, this is the 14th book in the series, I believe. Yeah. So if you haven't read the first 13, yeah, you might want to tune out at some point. When we start talking about it, because... Well, that's interesting. No. It's an interesting question. Although we can talk about that. That's Yes, it is interesting. And that was that voice you heard was Dan Morin, who is, who is the man who introduced me to the Four Kozigan series, which I then read 13 books in about two months uh, a couple of years ago. I, I consider that a win. Yes, thank you very much. Also joining me is Scott McNulty. Hi, Scott. Hello. I also blame Dan for reading all <laughs> Yes! <laughs> I had I'd never heard of this uh, little strange character. Uh, until I met Dan. <laughs> Everything's wait, wait coming up Morin. <laughs> and uh, and the laughter that you hear in the background directed at Dan, of course, is is Serenity Caldwell. Hello. Hello, Jason. Uh, Dan's I, fault? Three. Yeah, all yep. Dan's yeah. fault. Entirely. I have a number of friends who will also blame me for this. Yeah, are we not I your friends, Dan? I think all of your friends, oh. yeah. Yeah, thanks, Dan. <laughs> I introduced you guys to this book, also my friends. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's well established that Scott and I are, are nemeses, not true. friends. We, we could still and Jason friends. and I are friend Frenemies? Fremises. Frenemies. <laughs> no, it's more like fremises, because they're nemeses, but also friends. That's a good point. They're really nemeses. So, so... Uh, we're going to talk about this, but th- this is uh, two book club episodes in a row, I believe. And in our last episode, it, almost a cliffhanger, except it was edited out, so only people who listened to the After Dark heard it. Um, when we last left Serenity Caldwell, she was at Disneyland and not on the podcast, which is a real—it's a shameful lack of priorities that leads you to— You know, I I feel really horrible, and I was screaming for the, for the good three minutes while I was on Splash Mountain, and you guys couldn't reach me. Yeah. It's a shame. So we were we were trying to call you from from the podcast. The <laughs> podcast was calling, and we were going to say hi. It's the podcast. We almost let you a voicemail. In fact, it's the podcast. Aww. Call us back um, because we were talking about what what uh, and how we how we read. So before we talk about um, about this latest Vorkosigan book, that's not it's actually a Vorpatril book, but it's also a Vorkosigan book. I thought we would touch base because you were an iPhone reader. And um and last week when we talked, we talked a lot about Kindles and we talked about iPads and we talked about books made of paper. Mm. But Imagine we didn't that. really talk about the iPhone and, and that was why we were trying to call you is that you are a, seem to be a dedicated iPhone reader. Can you can you explain this to us? Explain yourself, please. <laughs> Why am I doing these things to my eyes? You know, I'm not actually sure how it started other than when I got the iPhone, I was pretty much glued to it because it was in my pocket and everywhere. And I had gone through a period of, I think, four or five years where I had just not been reading, which is in stark contrast to my life before then when I basically either bought or checked out three books a week from the library. So during like my college and my coast post-college years, I was reading absolutely nothing because I was either going around and, you know, running from place to place so quickly or already carrying five or six books that I had to read for school that it just, you know, I did not have the extra space to stick in a paperback or uh, and that Kindles hadn't even been invented at that point. So I, when the Kindle first came out, I gave it a glance and promptly ran away because I'm like, oh, the e-ink is cool, but there's the keyboard and it's... I guess it's kind of late, but it, I don't know. I it was too expensive. I yeah. I just wasn't interested. First Kindle was bad. I mean, it was yeah, just bad. yeah. <laughs> I still disagree. But bad. carry on. Shame. Nope. All right, we'll talk later, Scott. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> when the iBookstore came out, I bought a book or two. I think partially because The Incomparable had started up by that point. And you guys were reading um, pretty. You guys were reading pretty frequently at the front because we were doing book clubs with three books, four books at once. And previous to that, I was just going into a bookstore and reading the city in the city from cover to cover in order to try and catch up. Uh, but, oh no, this yes. isn't a library, lady. <laughs> I know, I know. I didn't Illicit have a library. Reading. 
I didn't have a library card in the city that I was living because I had only been living there a few months. So I I would go into Barnes and Noble. Like I went into the Barnes and Noble and I read City to City in seven hours, something like that. I just sat down in a chair and I'd occasionally wander down and get coffee or something and then, well, tea and wander back up and read more. I, well, I bought things from them eventually, but they really make eh. their money on the coffee anyway. So yeah, yeah, it's okay. So I mean that that was my that was my book life for a long time. Is when I wasn't reading a lot of books, I would wander into bookstores. I would read a couple chapters. When I worked at the Apple Store on my lunch break, I would go into Borders. I'd read two chapters. I'd put the book back, then I'd go back on my thing. Um, so <laughs> when the iBookstore came out, yeah, <laughs> I've I've spent plenty of money at that store. It's it goes to Borders, <laughs> haunts you at night. Yes. at the coffee shop. At the coffee shop. Um, so when the iBook store came out, I was a little curious, uh, but not really super, you know, super interested in it. And then I started downloading books for The Incomparable. And actually the first series, ironically enough, the first series that I read majorly on the iPhone was the Vorkosigan saga. Um in that most of the books were available as ebooks from Bain's website. And some of them were available for free and some of them are available via Bain's web store. So I basically, I think I got the first book from Dan in paperback format and I read that and I wanted to read the second one. And I didn't either have a car to go out to the bookstore or somewhere else. So I actually went on my phone and just downloaded the second one from Bain's web store and then proceeded to read the entirety of the series on my iPhone one little page at a time. And you would think that it would be really, really annoying reading on a tiny screen. Uh, and in fact, everybody I tell that I read long novels on tiny screens to uh, looks at me like I'm a little crazy. But I actually really like the almost isolation that you get from a small screen where you basically have to digest it in you have to digest the book in small chunks as opposed to a full page of paperback text for me because of the way I read which I'll get into in a second is really intimidating um, and I really like having a smaller screen so that I can read more carefully so the reason why a full page is a little weird is because I read and this sounds weird. I read all of the words, but I read diagonally. Um, so when I scan a page with my eyes and I'm reading, I don't read it. I don't subvocalize it in my head. I actually I read through about two paragraphs at once, and my brain, for some magical reason, is able to compose all those words that I've seen on the page into the appropriate sentences and word pictures in my head. Um, which I, I know sounds really weird and sounds like BS, but is is the clearest way I can approximate how I actually read. Uh, so, so should a properly composed paragraph for you have the best words kind of on a, on a diagonal line through the, <laughs> you know, like, oh, this is a good word. I'm going to put this at the middle of the third line of this paragraph. because Yes, double. exactly. It's like, oh, I pick and choose my words. No, it's almost like an S-curve in a weird way. It's, it's my eyes kind of scan... Because I read so often as a child, I I don't I'm just hypothesizing at this point. Um, but I'm able more or less to pick out the important words in a paragraph that I know will paint the accurate picture. And it's weird because I don't lose any data. Like I'm not skimming the paragraph. I can tell you everything that happened in that particular sentence. And if an author has particularly interesting verbosity or interesting, you know, phrasing or wit, I will usually be able to quote those specifics phrases but more or less it's like um it's like taking those words and composing a picture inside my head rather than sub vocalizing each and every word it's getting the idea of what the scene looks like um it doesn't work quite the same way for dialogue but for any kind of paragraph of description that's kind of what happens wow i, I you know I, I, we're gonna have to get Oliver Sacks on to discuss this because this is a, <laughs> seems like a neurologically odd phenomenon. That she's also occasionally here. mistaken her iPhone for a hat. So the well, yes. uh, clearly, or a book and a hat. <laughs> um, the so the iPhone helps your reading process by having fewer words on a page. Is and does that actually help you kind of progress as you're reading? In a weird way. Is there any other kind, <laughs> Miss Diagonal Reader? <laughs> it's um. Because of the the way that my eyes scan, if the page is a full page long, 
my eyes will like I will actually digest that entire page at once or at least attempt to, which will usually require me to just either bring the book closer to my face or like focus on paragraph one, paragraph two, paragraph three, paragraph four. So having the iPhone basically limit the size of the page means that my eyes can't read ahead by accident and try and incorporate that part of the story into the previous part. It's yeah, I I don't even know how to describe it. It's like time time travel reading. (laughs) I I read, you know, I read on my iPhone some, but it's usually only when I'm trapped somewhere and there's no other. I was actually just doing this because I was at the at the doctor's office because I was feeling a little under the weather earlier and um and all I had was my iPhone and you know in a situation like that I I it's perfectly fine to read on. I just don't think I would read you know a thousand page book just on it. I I having a Kindle or a, or a, an iPad or something like that seems seems better. But you know it's great when you're in those situations and you're in the line at Disneyland and you can just read a read a book. You got a book with you at all times. Oh yeah, I mean I love that part and I love. I mean, the Kindle has this too to a certain extent. I love being able to finish one book in a series and immediately download the next book. That's dangerous, which, isn't it? Yes. It's gotten me into trouble. I remember reading the um uh the the George R. R. Martin books. Yes. <laughs> which some of those took me a couple days. And then also reading uh oh God, his name is gonna Patrick Rothfuss's right, right. series. I read the first two of those books back to back in about 13 oh, hours. But diagonally. I, so. In time. So, so that's, that's like eight hours. Yes. It's it's special. Eight tesseract, hours. Tester, eight hours tesseracting reading. That's right. You, you're a four-dimensional reader, essentially. Yes. That's that's probably how I can. You scan the top of the page, and then the depth <laughs> is extrapolated. Sort of like by yeah. sonar. <laughs> Pinging. Ping yeah. reading. This is I know. I mean, I like it for other reasons than that. Um, I like being able to have my complete book library on it and I like how light it is actually it's it seems weird because you know the the Kindle is light and the and the iPad is light but they're also bulkier in a in a similar way to a paperback book and the iPhone because it fits so nicely in my hand it's something you know if I'm sitting on a crowded bus and when I was living in San Francisco I did a lot of sitting on crowded buses and I'd have a lot you know I'd have my my backpack or my satchel and I'd be wearing a winter coat and like taking the time if you're only on the bus for 10 minutes 5 minutes to get a book out of your you know out of your purse and then by the time you open it and if you get involved in the story you might lose you know miss your stop if i'm on the iphone it's very easy for me to like read 10 iphone pages look up make sure that i you know haven't wandered down into the mission go back read 10 more iphone pages it's uh it's allows me to get sucked into a book much more quickly which i like and it makes bed reading so much easier because i can you know i don't have to prop anything up which is lazy reading, I admit. You know, there's right. something to be said about having a physical book in your hand. Uh, but having the having the iPhone is just so comfortable that I find myself reading a lot longer than I normally would if I was reading a paperback book. Like normally I'll read for like an hour or two, then put it away, then do something, then come back to reading unless I'm completely caught up. But with the iPhone, I, I become very easily immersed inside the book. So I'm trying to imagine if we had actually gotten you on the phone from the podcast while you were in Disneyland, you trying to explain that you read things diagonally while in line for the Haunted Mansion, and or yeah, that would be very confusing. So I'm glad that we waited and that you were able to come on and, and add a little coda to our how we read thing, because it was sad sure. that you couldn't be on. But you Disneyland, you know, the Magic Kingdom. Disneyland, the Magic Kingdom is a special place and Star Tours waits for no woman. Yeah, there you go. You know, when, when I did Star Tours, I got like, it was all prequely it was like let's go Aww. to naboo and 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 like jar jar was in it it was really no. disappointing did you stand up in the middle and said no <laughs> this is not happening I, I was i was going to but it was you know there was ship was shaking so i stayed they, they strap you in you know you can't they do that's smart that's smart yeah, yeah. but they still. don't strap c-3po in because they don't care about droids no that we don't serve their kind here there, there are good, there are good options in Star Tours. You just have to, you have to go on it multiple times. That's apparently. kind of an unwritten rule at Disneyland. Uh, you have to go on it at least three times. Yeah, yeah. Well, I only did the one, and boy, it was there was Jar Jar. That was it was sad. <laughs> so, so now you are in the midst of reading, I should say, the the fourteenth Vorkosigan book, but you haven't actually finished it, right? On your no. iPhone. No. 
No, I oh. I'm a horrible person. I decided to get work done and set up my new television rather than finish television. The- television. Wait a second. Television rots rots your brain. I know. In my day, television was called books. Are you just setting up the television so you can hook up your iPhone to it so you can read on a larger screen? <laughs> Super masterful television reading. Oh, God. How many inches is it diagonally? Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. Maybe it is a good Too reading device. Too many inches. Too many inches. Um, Too many inches for you, old man. So, oh. so let's, hey let's talk about uh, Captain Ford Patrol's Alliance, the 14th book by... Uh, in this series by Lois McMaster Bujold, Dan Morin, one of your favorites. Yes. And then we'll get to some point where Ren will say, um, I can't listen to this anymore. I have to tap out. And she will she will flee and we'll say goodbye. I but will flee and I will actually go curl up on the couch and finish She won't the find out that Ivan dies at the end. I think it's a sad, it's a shame. No! No! The, Replaced uh, by zombie no, Ivan. Ivan! By the way, uh, 20, episode 24 of The Incomparable was our Vorkosigan uh, episode, so you can check that out. And uh, I will I'll also point out that Lois McMaster Bujold listened to that episode of The Incomparable, and her one her one comment that I recall was, they should let the woman talk more. <laughs> so it's really sad that you didn't read the whole book, because she's going to listen, and she's going to be like, why did they cut her yeah. off halfway through? Why didn't they let her keep talking? Lois, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that was my fault. I think I I think I emailed it to her, which I was going to oh, do with Dan. this one too. So oh, my Dan. my fault, apparently. <laughs> sorry, everybody. Oh Dan. And I went on and on in that about how much I didn't like Miles. Yeah. Uh, I know. Like, oh. So drowning drowning thing is that yes. So well. so this is this is the Ivan book. This is not about Miles. I mean, previously we've had essentially either Miles is the central character in these books, or prior to that, it was his mother and father. Right. And now we have and then there was like there was the Ethan of Athos and and Falling Free, which is sort of not it's in the same universe. But basically, these books are all about Miles or Miles parents. And now we get his cousin, Ivan, who has been an basically a comic relief character, would you say? Kind of not 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 the first time. Let's note that that he is the narrator, though, because he gets a point of view in a civil campaign. Sure. But like I said, sort of the primary character. Right. 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 Right, but uh, he's on the fringes for most of the series. He is he is the he is the stereotypical character. He is everything that Miles is not. Right, he's handsome, tall. He's debonair. He's tall. Right, yeah, and and that successful is, with the ladies. Right, he's the foil. Even though he's not as smart as Miles is, we also know that he's a lot smarter than he lets on. Right, right, because he doesn't he doesn't want to get in complex situations. He doesn't want to get in trouble. He doesn't want, and that's actually the funniest thing about Ivan, right? Is that is that Miles <laughs> always approaches him and he rolls his eyes and says, no, don't, no, don't get me involved. And then, of course, he's involved. Right. I, I, I like the idea. So I went to a reading with Ms. Bujold. She was in Cambridge. And so I went to hear her a couple weeks ago read from this book. And she made the comment at some point that the problem with Ivan is that Ivan is always trying to avoid the plot. Yeah. And and he's, she's like, well, you know, and Miles, you know, you wouldn't want to put too much Miles because Miles will like just like take over, right? You know, push everybody aside and be like, all right, yeah, let's bring this on. Um, but I thought that the fact that Ivan avoids the plot at all costs is uh, one of his one of his most charming traits. Yeah, but it makes it difficult to read a book with a main character who is trying to avoid the plot that he is in. <laughs> if you ask, me. I mean, it makes it difficult for him. That's for sure. <laughs> well, that that is true. I, it's kind of, it's kind of funny though, right? That he's he he tries to get out of it, but he 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 can't get out of it, right? He just he can't. He's kind of hapless. Yeah, I mean, let's be fair. In the in the first couple chapters in this book, he winds up in a fairly compromising position fairly quickly. Yeah. yeah, he has a he has a knack for that sort of thing. Yeah, it, yeah. In this, um, so the, this book starts, uh, and he's on assignment, and he's he's given by his his friend, Byerly, friend nemesis, friend. nemesis perhaps, Fre- friend nemesis, nemesis, I can't say that word. <laughs> we'll if work it is on a it. Word. It's going to be a word now. I've decided it's going to be a word. Um, that that uh, Byerly says that uh, I need you to watch this this girl who works down at this like mailboxes like the, etc. The, yeah, the UPS store. Is the way I <laughs> the, thought of it. Yeah, yeah. Intergalactic FedEx. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and intergalactic. And and, uh, and he says, okay, sure, fine, because um, she's in da- she might be in danger, and so he buys a really ugly flower pot and takes it in and has her ship it 
to Miles, Miles. several <laughs> planets away. Is that the first time that Miles cost. is mentioned in that book? Because I find it very funny that, you know, you, yeah. you kind of... Our, our dear friend Miles, remember him? He's the main character of most of this series. We're going to mail him a really ugly vase. Uh, ugly, yeah, ugly flower pot. Or, yeah, or, or vase that's going to be used as a flower pot because what else would you use it for? And, and one thing leads to another, and he uses his skills, so-called skills at picking up women to continually try to pick up this woman as she's leaving the store and all that. And then he doubles back because he knows her address because he's actually not a random uh, customer. And he ends up stunned and tied up on on a chair as this woman and her roommate who is blue a blue acrobat right uh does that's, da- that's an understatement debate okay. what debate what to uh acrobat slash dancer really sure. it's a sure acrobatic dancer if you will slash living statue yeah d- debate what to do with him um and he ends up you know he's competent as always and he ends up saving them and 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 they end up back at his apartment, and then the fun begins because through a series of wacky events, he ends up having to marry the woman in order to protect her from the local authorities. Uh, so you you've heard of the meat cute. This book actually has the marry cute. <laughs> well, and and you know, in I think which which prompts my favorite line from the book, which is. So he's done all of this to basically avoid ha- avoid having her deported because in marrying him, she basically becomes a subject of Bariar and thus, you know, protected to a certain extent. And so as they're, they're con- you know, doing the ceremony, as the, the immigration officials are trying to knock down their doors. And so just as they, they burst in and they've concluded the ceremony and that the immigration officials go to apprehend her, you get the lovely unhand Lady Vorpatril. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, I know you love that line. I I thought it was. I just. I don't know. It was one of those. You know, her books are very often amusing, but this one, you know, like a civil campaign, is something that's you know, it's much more comedic than it is. You know, a lot of the other ones are you know quite moving. I mean, several of them. I laughed out loud at several points in this book. I laughed out loud a lot. Yeah, (laughs) there's a good three chapter section, and it's all. I mean, and it's all it's all character based humor for the most part, right? It's because you know these people, right? And you, the fact that they're put in these situations and that they react in ways that you know are kind of familiar, you know, it's like seeing your best friend get into you know a particular type of trouble. Oh, man, John's always getting into that trouble, right? You know, I I don't know, like the specific. It, it's like you know these people, and because they're so fully fleshed out as characters, that there's something very amusing in in the fact that you see them get into these situations and knowing, you know, the fact that, oh, Ivan's getting dragged into this against his will, um, it, it just comes off very charming. So I was looking on Amazon and there's a, a, a book list review that that is, is positive. But one of the things that it says, I'm trying to find it here, is is new readers can enjoy Ivan's story on its own, but will miss no. many of the nuances that add depth. And character. And I wanted to ask, when you've got something that's, you know, the 14th book in a series, um, I think the strongest thing about it, and what struck me, especially in the first half of this book, really, the part that Ren has read, um, is, is that a lot of it works because these are all characters that we know, and seeing them again, and seeing these corners of the universe, uh, you know, filled out a little bit, and seeing these people placed in funny situations... Uh, works really well, and I I kind of can't conceive of what this book would read like if you hadn't read the fourteen books that came before it. Yeah, I, I'm curious about that, and I know that um, on her blog, uh, Lois posted that you know, she was really curious. She had not seen a lot of reviews from people who had not read this series otherwise, and she was really curious to know how it how it played for someone who had not read it. And so I I have no idea. I mean, having of course read these books many times. Um, I would be really interested to hear if somebody I, I just can't imagine that a lot of people are picking it up if they're not already fans of the series. But I imagine there must be some people out there somewhere <laughs> who, are, who are reading it for the first time. Scott, can you imagine anybody reading this and having it make sense if they hadn't read the others? Well, uh, I, I do know that this is her first uh, book that has appeared on the New York Times bestseller list, the expanded list. So a lot of people are buying it. Uh, I can, I, if this were my first uh, entree into this universe, I don't think I would have read the other books, only because I think I enjoyed the book, I should say. Uh, but I think it's kind of light 
And oh, yeah. If there's anything wrong with that. And a little thin, like Ivan, I don't know if Ivan is a character who I would care about uh, as a main character if I hadn't read all the other books and kind of been like, oh, Ivan, he's kind of funny. I wonder what he would do in all these situations. Uh, so I have that backstory about him and I know how he's reacted in all these other things so I can see him in these situations and it makes sense. But if I were, and obviously I can't unread the other books, so I don't know if this would actually be the case, but I, th- I have a feeling that this is not the best introduction to this series. Um, I think it's great for the fans and for people who have read it already because, you know, like you guys said, it's like you're meeting your friends again and you're seeing a different side of these books because it's very different than, uh, you know, a Miles adventure. Uh, so that's a very interesting take on it. But, uh, yeah, I think it would. it's not a great entre- first entree. Yeah, yeah. He. Uh, what's nice about Ivan is that he's... He is reluctant and, and you know, I don't know if he could carry on, carry off a lot of books, but I, I think it's fun to compare it to a Miles kind of like uh, jumping in and, and taking control of the situation. And instead, Ivan really wants to not be in the situation. But uh, one of the things I, I always liked about um, the first two books is that reading the first two books that had, uh, that, uh, had uh, Miles' parents as the main characters is now when I read all these other books, I had this strange perspective of sing, thinking like, I remember, you kids, I, I knew your parents, right? I remember when, when, uh, when you know, way back when, before you were even born. And with Ivan, I, you know, it, it works better. You're right, Scott, when, because we know Ivan and we've seen him in other situations. And they make reference to a lot of his situations, like when he was trapped in the, with the rising water on Earth and all of that when he was in danger. But the thing about Ivan that I remember the most, and it, and it's referenced really nicely in here, is his birth, which is at the time is is just part of this dramatic scene in Bariyar, I think, the second book. Yep, chronologically in the series, not the second book published because that's extra confusing. Um, and it won the Hugo Award. Uh, and he's born his his uh, his his father is gunned down during this rebellion. And then his mother gives birth and they have to, they're fleeing the, you know, the troops basically. And it's really dramatic. And it's also very sad because his father doesn't make it out. And so that there's this sad introduction to, to Ivan and his family too. And then he becomes kind of a funny character, but, but there's this darkness at the, uh, you know, his, his mother is a, is a widow and, and, and that's all part of his story. And in this book, they actually have this ceremony at the location where his father was gunned down and you see this side of his and his mother, who's kind of a comedic figure too, um, in most of these books. You see her having that, taking that time about her husband, who's been dead for thirty-five years or or forty years. Uh, and I really like that. And again, I'm not sure that has any payoff if you haven't read the other books. But the power of having read all of this material and then having having them go back there to that street it's it, it's really kind of amazing i mean to to me it shows the power of a book series and how they they can multiply in a way that a single novel can't like a like a long running tv show or something yeah or a comic book series right yeah. it's it's very rewarding to see things that are referenced to things that happened a really long time ago you know and to be rewarded for paying attention right you know, to think, oh yeah, I remember that scene. You know that I saw that happen. Yeah, um, there's a plaque on the street where that thing that I saw happened. It's now history. And I, and I think there is something that that's one of the things I love the most about these books is that there are those little things that make it feel like such a fleshed out world uh, because you're seeing these references to things that happen. And you know, it is even if it's not as long as the even if the the time in our you know between the actual books is not as long as the events that have transpired in them. It's still also, you know, there's a lot of longevity here. I mean, the, you know, Barriar was published in you know, 20 years ago. So, you know, even even though it's not, you know, as long as it is in the books, that's still a really long time to maintain sort of a whole story. Yeah, and it feel, I mean, the entire world still feels very modern in a way or just her her universe. Like you don't you don't go back to Barriar and look at Four Patrols Alliance and say, oh, well, this material feels really dated like it was written 20 years ago it's it flows very very naturally from book to book uh i don't know if new readers will find ivan's book as a jumping on point for the series but i definitely think if this was the first book that i picked up i would be interested in reading more by her 
Um, it's because she has she has such an interesting style, even with Ivan, who is admittedly Ivan is the, you know, the comic relief and the funny character of of the series. Uh, but her ability to shift between viewpoints and really nail not only the inner monologue of a character and the speaking of a character, but just the way chapters are phrased and even sections of chapters are phrased depending on what viewpoint they're in. She has a remarkable knack for being able to hammer down very specific character types within the within the chapters and within the books. And so you immediately know even before there's a he or a she or a thought or, you know, you immediately know who's narrating that sec- that chapter or that section of the book. Right, because we go back and forth between Ivan and his, well, the, his, his, his wife. What, rapidly his wife. Uh, we, we, Tej? Tej. Yeah. Would we say? Lady Vorpatril. Unhand Lady Vorpatril. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to try and pronounce her full name. No. It's, it's a mouthful. It's I long. applaud Ivan for doing it. It's long because it's Jacksonian and also... Uh, Sita uh, Gandon, right? So it's yeah. long and, and also confusing. a thousand and one baby names from Old Earth, something like right, that. Something like that. Uh, but it, it is it is cute because you've got the back and forth of Ivan and Tej's uh, perspectives, even within chapters. Though she'll she'll move back and forth, and that's that's part of the fun. I mean, it's almost Scott. You said it was light. I mean, it, it it's almost like watching a Shakespeare comedy in a way because it really is like i said they don't meet cute they marry cute but it's that same thing right it's like they meet and then there's this marriage that shouldn't have happened but had to happen and then they get to know each other and 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 it's 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 inside out right seeing each other from one another's eyes is kind of funny seeing bariar from her perspective and also the fact that she's not a she's not a complete innocent because she's part of this family that's the in this in this kind of ruthless uh uh jackson hole uh, uh, system where they where and and her her family's a real piece of work and and it's actually kind of interesting that she's um, she's kind of the least manipulative <laughs> yeah yeah and she's sort of a rebel in that she doesn't want to be as awful as some of the other people might be um, and so it, you know it's 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 funny I like I like you know it is light because that's I keep coming back to the Shakespearean comedy it's like you've got this collection of players and there are the families on both sides and the families all have agendas but it's never you know too heavy it's it's much more the kind of the fun of of uh, of seeing how they all interact and and increasingly bad things happen and but they're res- resolved and there's not a huge amount of jeopardy I feel there are a couple moments of jeopardy but it's much more kind of light. And 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 fun than than anything else. I think it's funny that you say Shakespearean because I was definitely getting a a strong taming of the shrew vibe in places uh, when I was first starting to read the book. Well, and and civil campaign is also extremely comedy of errors like. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, if, it, if there's a whole sort of element there of you know uh, slapsticky misunderstandings and you know double entendres and that kind of stuff. So you know, there's clearly. There's clearly a homage to that sort of that sort of storytelling, right? So, so let's see. I don't I don't know how to proceed from here because Ren hasn't read the rest of the book. Ren hasn't read it. We have have half of it <laughs> yet. Um, yes. So I I I stopped reading. So I'll I'll just give you that in advance. I stopped reading right as they're arriving on Barrier. All right. So uh, we can happens. talk about anything before then. Yeah, I assume so. I mean, Bariar is a fairly quiet planet. Suffice it to say that they visit where Ivan's father was killed. I've given that away now, but That's true. it's nice. I, uh, yes, I am sure it is. It's I'm a lovely there. street that there's a plaque. <laughs> it's a lovely street where death and murder once happened. Yes. You know. But then Ivan <laughs> was born in like a warehouse nearby. So, yay. <laughs> I, Happy I birthday, it. Ivan. One of the things I really enjoyed in this book was getting you you get the you get a look at what Ivan does for a living which right in this case is he's sort of an aide de comp to an admiral right. and he's actually pretty good at his job right like he's basically yes. a glorified you know personal assistant but you get an idea that he's very competent and you know takes a certain amount of pride in his work um, and even if he's not the you know the you know an imsec weasel as he might say uh, with the you know, versus like the spies and the security officers running around. He's he's very happy to be doing exactly what he's doing because it's you know it provides him with just the right amount of work versus responsibility. Um, and I think you know it's it's tempting to to picture Ivan, especially from earlier books, as kind of a 
you know, layabout, ne'er-do-well. Um, and it's it's interesting when you get into his head because he is a very different character than he is, than he portrays himself, right? Because he has this whole facade going. And so, you know, in the beginning of this book, we get we get a much better idea being inside his head of what his life is actually like. And there is... I want to. I do want to pick out another great line, although this might give something away. It's not too much, but there's a line later on where I think Byerly asks him something about like, "Well, you you always seem to have all these girlfriends hanging on," and he thinks, you know, so like you've been very successful. Then like, what's the secret? And he thinks to himself, you know, nobody ever realizes that if you have a lot of girlfriends, it entails break up with a lot of women. <laughs> yeah. um, which I thought was a, a, a just a great point at you know. This guy who is basically might externally be considered a womanizer. And yet you get the idea that everything is pretty amicable. And these things like he has these relationships that just sort of don't go anywhere. Um, but he's not quite the playboy that you you would think he was. Right. Well, you get a lot of visions of Avon from other characters. You don't really get him. And you get sort of his outside portrayal to other characters. And they just... They take that image and run with it, and that's the only perspective that we see. But when you're in Ivan's head all the time, it's very easy to see that he's not an enti- he's not a womanizer. He's not a slacker. He just happens to be a man who you know who's very well versed in dating and who is very good at his job and just not passionate about advancement. I mean, there's a thing early on where he's talking about. Oh, I need to figure out how I can be Captain War Patrol forever. Yeah, well, he's he's. I mean, that's really the key. And I I didn't get all of this. I think there's so, some insight that I got into this character that I didn't get from all these other books, which is he is quite actively evading everything. Right? He's evading long term relationships with women. He's not just having lots of relationships with women. He's evading marrying. He's somebody. marrying. Yeah. Right. He he's evading. Uh impsec which you know which he could work in and in fact in this book uh, there's a there's sort of a you could come work at impsec and he's like no 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 i don't want to do that that's what miles did i don't want to be that and then there's this other thing which is that because of his family up until emperor gregor had kids um he was potentially politically if something happened to gregor or if there was a rebellion of some kind a, a possible emperor Right, he's he's third in line. Yeah, so he's got it's it's basically Errol Miles and then him. Yeah, so he's he and he doesn't want any of that either. So he wants to be he wants to do a good job. He wants to live his life and have a good time. But more than anything else, he doesn't want what all these other people who are characters in books in this series have. He doesn't want to be the imperial security expert. He doesn't want to have the rollicking Miles adventures. He doesn't want to be the emperor or or be you know married into all the Bariyar and politics and family you know connections and things like that. He just doesn't want to do that. He wants he he's independent, but he's not independent in a kind of brash. I'm going to live my own life. Kind of watch me. I'm a rebel. He's he's like the other one, which is I'm just going to fade away. I want to fade away into the woodwork. And not be bothered. Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't want to be noticed. And I mean, if we look at what happens to the people in this series who do get noticed, they get put in grave danger. They die. They get shot. Occasionally, (laughs) yeah, come back to life. I mean, frozen. If you look at yeah, frozen. Thawed. Um, <laughs> and every time Miles in, involves Ivan in one of his adventures, bad things bad happen to Ivan. <laughs> bad. Ivan, yeah. You can't blame him. No. No. It makes perfect sense for Ivan to want to. He's been proven right. <laughs> well, I think that's why we all feel so sympathetic to him, right? Right. Because we've seen the fact poor that he kind of gets dragged into these things. It gets yeah. Poor Ivan. That's that's the phrase, that right? You know, I w- I remember talking about this with my my cousin, who was the person who introduced me to the books. Ah. And we would just sit around and chat about the books, and and she would always say. Poor Ivan. <laughs> when is he going to find a girl and settle down? Well, that's, hey, I mean, we, maybe that's we have an his, answer. That's what his mother was asking. All right, Ren, do you have any other thoughts about the book that you'd like to share before we hang up on you and then spoil what happens? Uh, only that there's a lovely little moment where we get to see Ivan's sort of, not necessarily dedication to work, but his general idea of a work day, which is his sorting the snakes section. Oh, yeah. And I just, I find that very charming and a lovely little snake part charming. of yeah yes very snake charming 
I I really like that that part and and he, the fact that he's gone so far into the metaphor as to create different categories of, of varying poisonous snakes. Yes, that uh, that his admiral has to deal with. So I found that very nice. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading the rest of the book, and now I will leave you to go do that, and you guys can talk and spoil everything. All right. You can listen to the rest of the podcast when you're done. Yes. All right. Well, I'll bid you adieu. All right. Thanks for thanks for being on. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Live from Disneyland. That was no. Wait. So she's not, <laughs> she's home from Disneyland. That was Serenity Caldwell. Uh, hey, we can spoil everything now. So they so in the end, and you wouldn't have seen it coming. In the end, these two crazy kids who got married for expedient reasons end up falling in love and deciding to stay oh. together after all. Wait, wait. Isn't I thought they sweet. I thought they accidentally each committed suicide thinking that the other was already uh, dead. Uh, yes. That's the common it's, mistake. It, it does it does happen for Very Shakespearean there too. You know, one of the one of the scenes that made me laugh the most was the scene where they're going to the to the the Lord who's the judge who's gonna <laughs> unmarry Falco? them. Yeah. And they're like It'll be easy. Uh, it's it's a formality. All, it's all a formality. And I'm sitting there going, guys, do you not know you're in a book? This, <laughs> this is not going to go. This is not going to go well. I also like that that's done for almost no reason. Like, <laughs> other than just that character is like, Meh. I just kind of want to screw with you. No, no, no. It's because it's because uh, Ivan's mom, because, uh, again, they're all related because they're all part of the same family. Ivan's mom calls him in advance and says, don't let them not get married. I th- that's that, it's in there. He's like, did right, you right, talk to I my mean, mother? <laughs> yes, I did talk to your mother. No, Why? my mother won't let me not be married. Exactly, but it's again, <laughs> it's it's not. I don't know. It's one of those things that it's not exactly contrived, but it feels like a thing that's done done kind of capriciously. Yeah, even, even with his mother doing yeah. it, just being like, oh, yeah. eh, it's time. It's time that you learned a few things. Yeah, but again, it, it's just all for it's done for laughs. I mean, because all the characters are like, oh yeah, we've got this locked down, and and the as the audience, you're not meant to think of this as a plot twist, right? It's 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 really more like, oh man, here we go. Yeah, I, I know what's coming here, and it's funny. I was annoyed uh, about uh, generally, like I said, I enjoyed the book. Uh, I was annoyed that there's a character with a nickname by. Because that just confused me every time I read. It. Maybe it's just I'm just stupid, but I was confused. I thought, why is the sentence start with by? And then I was like, oh, it's the guy's name. It's so annoying. Ah, uh, yes, Byerly, Vorutier. Every right? time, Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Who's related to a terrible? There was a, there was a Vorutier earlier who's a horrible character, right? Oh, but there's there's many, many, right? But he's not. Yes. Except no, he, he's but not. people think he is, but he's not. Yeah, of course, he turns out to be. Somewhat more conscientious. Another playboy who, yeah. And in a Shakespeare kind of fashion, again, you have the second couple story that's right. happening right. in the background of the first couple. It's that it's probably not just Shakespeare. You know, it's also like a farce kind of construction. But yeah, you've yeah. got you've got by and Rish, and he keeps trying to plant bugs on her. Yes, because he's trying to spy on 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 her, and so she and of course she keeps finding them and disabling them. But they're in love, anyway. Isn't that nice? Well, yeah. So what's what's interesting about this book is that, you know, what you get about, I would say about, what, 60% of the way through? And it does take a left turn, right? Because we start, we move from being this thing that's purely about a comedy to there's a there's a plot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I mean, something has to happen. <laughs> something must happen. There's I mean, be some I, I, I would happily have read and continued reading the book just watching Ivan get into one trouble after another, but I understand that that's not necessarily compelling for everybody. Actually... One of the things I appreciated about the, this plot is that the plot was not. I thought this was going to be that they escape to Baryar and then the bad people who are trying to kill her family do something and get them in trouble and they have to save, save her. And it was going to be that was going to be what it was. It was going to a little bit paint by numbers. Yeah, I, I, I just I was concerned that it was going to be one of those things. And instead, again, she goes for the family drama thing where her family shows up and they're awful. <laughs> they're awful people. Not all. Well, they're, I mean, they're 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 a nature of their circumstance, right? right. Well, they're they are, they're they're from Jackson's Hole, and they're also so they're schemers, and then they're also on the run, so they're desperate. Right, and they have this. They have this plan to go look for a vault. Yes, with tr- there's treasure, hidden. basically right. buried treasure under Barayar, which leads to more laughter when it's discovered that the buried treasure is under the massive spy complex at the heart of the empire, just where you want to go digging. 
<laughs> uh, which which is great it's one of those it is again it is a farcical a move right because it's like oh well this won't be too much trouble we'll just find this old vault that the grandmother used to work at during the occupation and we'll just dig it up and we'll be on our way oh <laughs> yes can you tell t- here's this building that i would like to yeah. see where that was can you take yep. me there and they What's go this th- big ugly what? building next to it oh that's the imperial security headquarters oh <laughs> okay. oh this is gonna be hard yeah, yeah, and then they, 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 and then so then there's a so you've got the the family dynamics because Tej is not really well treated by her family. She's the little, she's the littlest, you know, she's the youngest, and she's the least kind of like likely to become a a double crossing traitor <laughs> person. And, she, and she's married a guy from a backwater planet. Yeah. Oh, the, who, who is a, a the embarrassment nobleman, but, but potentially in line for the throne. So maybe but that's yeah, good. You but might, you might be able to. Well, I I have to say I really enjoyed her father. Oh the, yeah, the ex pirate who has somehow stumbled into you know he married into the the being becoming a baron right of, yeah. a, of a small Jacksonian family. But he's kind of, I really enjoy him because even he, though he is scheming, he loves his daughters. Right, he loves in, his daughters in a way that his wife does not. Right, and he's also he's very. <laughs> He's very jolly. He's very kind of bluff and, you know, uh, unassuming to a certain extent, where it's just like, uh, you know, this is my thing. I do my thing. And the, and and that, you know, runs up against uh, one of my other favorite uh, Bujol characters to make an appearance here, who is Simon Illion, um, the former head of the Imperial Security Service. What the hell, Simon? What the hell, Simon? Um, who basically engages in a bet with him that he can't break into yeah. the vault rather than actually alerting security they make a bet i mean i just love the idea that you know you've got simon who you know famously in in memory um which is my favorite book in the series loses the memory chip that he has in his head that basically yeah. gives him perfect recall and yeah. so becomes everyone sort of thinks of him as becoming this doddering old clueless guy when in fact yeah he's got some memory problems but he's he's really sharp still Right. You know, he's still he's still a clever guy because he was in charge of the spy service for, you know, decades. Um, And but you get the impression that he's he's bored. Right. Like that's all there is to it is just he is bored with having this life where he just go. he's basically so he's a sort of, you know, retired, sort of retired. He's not married to Ivan's mother, but <laughs> they're kind of essentially yeah, they're living they're living together, basically. And, and what we learned from this is that is that he he is better off, better than he's let on and that he actually, you know, there may be more for him to do in his life. Right. He, he He's kind of come to grips, which is also nice because having read if you know, again, the richness of having read these other books, having read memory, you know, kind of the story arc that this character has gone. And this is almost, you know, there's some redemption happening here where he's like, you know, uh, you know, I'm not useless. I've got. I, I just because I don't have the perfect memory anymore. There's stuff I can do. I can play a part in all of this, and he does. Right, and, and it's nice to get a view of him that is not colored by him being sort of forced to be Miles' boss. Yeah, um, and having to be the pushback, the straight man, sort of to to Miles. Of Miles' schemes. Yeah, exactly. And so in this time, he gets a chance to sort of cut loose a little bit and and play it play it fast and loose, um, which which works out. Not so great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, so, I mean, again, it, it's this plot the way that it goes. You get the family dynamic, and then you get this heist thing, right? Where they're they're going to pull off the heist. It's totally not what I expected. They're going to pull off the heist under the uh, under the Impsec headquarters, and uh, and they and then there's you know there's like the biological weapon of the burrowing stuff that they. Why would you want to dig when you can just unleash this uh, untested? Uh, organism that will eat the dirt for you. What could go wrong? Yeah, well, you don't, you can't dig because the sensors will pick it up, but the organism will just, yeah. And, and so that leads, and then yes, there is a double cross and 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 all of that, but you never really get, I, you know, you never really get a sense. The characters think they're in danger, but no, nobody else does, right? The readers don't think they're really in danger. No, it's it's one of those it's one of those plots where you know everybody will make it out in the end. It's not yeah. that kind of book, right? You know, the tone is set. If they had taken yeah. a left turn and really had become become something where lives were at stake, right? Like that wouldn't have worked. It would have felt right. strangely. It would have felt contrived, and it would have felt like, oh yeah, you're just trying to make this more interesting now. But we, it's it's a it's you know it's a romp. 
Yeah, I, and there's nothing wrong. I mean, that that's actually one of the things that I found really charming about it is that it, it's nice to read a story like this. I it, it had been a little while before I read a book that I just wanted to rip through as fast as I can. And Dan and I we were talking about this that you want to read it, and then you you also keep saying to yourself, "No, no, slow down," because there's not going to be another one of these books for years. So yeah. I got to slow down and enjoy my time with this. And yet I really wanted to just keep on. I wanted to keep on going because it was so much fun. Just to, I mean, it's a romp. It is. Right. It was just, it's fun. And yeah, it's like, no, no, slow down. I was parceling it out as we, as I went to just sort of try and make sure that I, you know, could read it over at least, you know, a week or two. So the headquarters building collapses at the end, which is the final. That, I, I thought squishes that was, down into the mud. I thought that was hilarious. I mean, like, <laughs> as soon as it comes, well, because they, they keep going on about it, and then especially with Simon, who's like, God, I thought this was the ugliest building ever. I really just, I tried to get try them to, to get build a replaced, new one but there was never years, budget for it. Do it. Yep. And so it's, and it's the setup is perfect because they're is. not really thinking about that. And they're like, they've been digging away and then they have to get, they all get trapped in there and they have to dig them out. And then everyone's like, oh, great. We, we did everything. And it's the great scene with Gregor's like, huh, I never really looked at this building. It seems kind of tilted to one side. <laughs> <laughs> and then the whole thing just comes down. And, and Simon is like, doesn't he like start laughing? Yeah. Yeah, oh, jeez, that was... Because the picture in my head was just so vivid that I thought it was great. Gregor gets some nice pieces in here, too. Um, it's nice to see him as, you know, grown up and and being all, you know, imperial and, and all competent, that. Right, competent, and he just... He's he's clearly... He is clearly the best... I think they sort of allude to this in some of the previous, you know, books, but he's clearly the right guy for this yeah, job, yeah. right? You know, he knows what he's doing. That's one of the things I liked about the previous books is that is that we start with kind of an insane emperor and you're thinking, you know, it's going to be one of those things. It's going to be like Joffrey in Game of Thrones, right? Where you're right. like, oh, geez, things are going to go really bad when this kid is the emperor. And it turns out actually that unlike most of the rest of his family, Gregor is a, you know, he gets through and is a, and is a good emperor and does a good job. And, and mostly because Miles' dad uh, was, you know, a good guardian and and helped you know steer him in the right direction but he's also a, a good person who's the right guy for the job right yeah I, I like that part i like that i like that we do get to see miles briefly um it's nice to that we get a that we get a cameo from him that that doesn't manage to overwhelm the book now, um, when do we see him i don't even he's remember. at the he's at he invites them to dinner they come to the they come to see gregor at his house and we get him and ekaterin Oh, right, right, chasing right. the kids but, around yeah, and right. then they have you know we have a brief scene and we have a lot of scenes where miles is like laughing you know into his into his hand at at the, the kind of stuff that's going on there's also a lot of talk around miles because sure there's this there's the suggestion earlier on um there's the part where you know tez or someone remembers this one you know the house that gets taken down by this one rogue guy or yeah. something like that that's miles um, we read that is, book yes yeah, it was like so. It's nice to see all the things like because they they echo. There's a lot of stuff from previous books that echoes through that again is rewarding, even if it's and and it plays into a way that makes sense, right? right. Because we know that that was Miles to take it down, but we never get a point at which he's like, "Oh yeah, that was me. I took this. I took this house down." Like right, like because he acts sort of realistically, right. like he was a spy, right? He was working undercover, so he's not gonna. He's he'll sort of allude to having been there, but you know, he's not going to talk about what he did. We get the stuff where. I like the bits where, where, you know, Ivan talks about being on Setaganda. Yeah. And kind of impresses the grandmother, you know, with the fact that he's like, oh, well, you've actually, you know, <laughs> been to my home world and met all the, the high class, yeah, the uh, the Hote ladies and all that. Right. Where all the ladies are in the bubbles. Right. And so and that stuff plays in, right? Yeah. Like, you know, there's 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 references that, that help remind you that the stuff that would logically come up in these conversations because we've seen them happen actually do come up. Cause yeah. that's, that's one of those things that frustrates me when I read and like someone obtusely doesn't remember something that clearly they should remember. Um, you know, you're reading a book and they're like, Oh, but you know, he'll clearly remember that, you know, Oh, Anakin Skywalker <laughs> built C3PO, you know? <laughs> oh, that never came up again. No. Um, so I don't know. I like that. So, uh, you know, it sounds so. Scott, you said you you wouldn't necessarily have read other books in the series if it had been your first, but that because you've read the others, you this is very complicated. But you liked it, yes? I I, I did like it. I mean, I know in our last podcast, I complained about how I thought Miles was an annoying character, right? Uh, and reading this book made me appreciate Miles as a character. <laughs> uh, 
because <laughs> I he is much more active. So I it's not really you, right. as we talked about. Ivan is not looking for adventure. He is not. He doesn't want to be the center of attention, uh, which makes him an interesting character when there's somebody who is doing stuff. Uh, and so stuff happens to Ivan, which is okay, funny, but uh, I don't know. It was a quick read. It was fun. I like the characters. She's a good writer. Uh, I just obviously I don't I don't know I don't think Ivan can uh, carry uh, another book. Well, this is like the most momentous thing that ever happens to Ivan that doesn't involve Miles, right? I mean, that's sort of the sense I get as well. Oh, but there was that time where you know how did you two meet, right? It's like well, okay, this is how how, how what would it's it how take? I met your mother. What would it take for <laughs> Ivan? to to get married and this is the answer this is the book that answers that it's a series of ridiculous events you would have to do it by accident (laughs) yeah right that's the only way it would work and 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 yeah i i don't think i expect there to be many books i don't think he needs another book i mean i I, I look forward to seeing him in a future book as a side character but i i oh yeah i think he's he's a great character but uh he is not a main character so so dan you said that uh at at um, Lois McMaster Bujol's reading, she said, you said to me privately, not in a previous episode, that uh, she is working on something involving Miles. Yeah, there's a, she's writing a novella. Um, yes. uh, uh, to be released, at, I think someone indeterminate point, but she read the first sort of section of it. A mini novel. Is it is it set after Cryoburn? No, it is set before Cryoburn. Oh, As is this, we should mention, this is also set before cryoburn so so we're going you know she's again continuing to write out of sequence and and in in cryoburn you know some momentous things happen at the very end and uh uh, that you really should know about because if you're listening to this you really must have read it right but um she doesn't seem to that's interesting because it's i i wonder she said before that she felt like that was in some ways the end of miles's story and so uh, it's interesting that maybe she's yeah she's writing in coloring in other corners of the yeah, and I think story. It, you know as with many other writers who I've heard say the same thing well you know if if the idea comes to me and I find something I want to write about then I'll, I will write another story but you know I'm not planning necessarily to to write something else um, and so I think this story takes place I don't I don't know what the entire thrust of it is I can tell you that the section that she read deals with uh, as you might, might remember, there's the section, uh, there's the land that Miles owns that's all radioactive. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, <laughs> it deals with them trying to use the, do you remember the bugs from Civil uh, Campaign? The they're trying bugs. to use them to eat up all the radiate, irradiated, or at least they're testing them and trying to get them to eat irradiated stuff and clean it out, basically. Uh. Um, so that's what the whole first sort of section deals with a trip that he and a Katerin and, um, I'm trying to remember if there's someone else in there. Um, well, Enrique, the scientist who develops the bugs are sort of taking right. and, and seeing how this, how this project is going. I feel like there are lots of stories for her to tell that don't involve miles in this universe, uh, that are sitting out there. There are lots of questions about what, uh, miles's clone brother Mark is doing. Yep. Um, uh, with his girlfriend he, get, he gets a couple nods in this book i like particularly yeah. that he buys that he buys, buys H2 and turns yeah. it into a hotel yeah yeah like a themed hotel you can stay the night in one of the interrogation cells uh that's that's really fun i feel like there's there's some stuff to be told there and i also kind of feel like she keeps hinting that there's a story about errol and cordelia yeah on sergiar Sergiar, this this barren planet that they're going to where he's the viceroy. Right, because we've seen them kind of flit in and out of there, but we, we haven't, I don't think, we haven't seen them at all since the civil campaign, I think is the last time they actually appear. Right. Um, but they're clearly, you know, they're, they're multiple references to, oh, they're, they're kind of enjoying their semi-retirement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but so I feel like there, you know, there are other characters that you know, Ivan aside, that that would be interesting for her to write things about. I guess you know, in the end, she just has to come up with a a story that she thinks is worth writing. But it's encouraging when I saw her at uh, WorldCon last year. Um, you know, I, I it felt to me like she wasn't going to write Miles stuff again, and that Ivan was her chance to play in this universe without Miles. So it's really encouraging that she's writing this novella involving miles and maybe what she's really saying is that she's having a hard time seeing how she writes beyond the end of cryoburn although 
I find that funny because I actually have always assumed that the natural capstone of this entire thing, this entire story, is that Miles goes back to to Baryar and ends up basically being the advisor, you know, the the number one advisor to the Emperor, um, just right. like his dad was. Right, and then, I mean, and that, and because we get a whole bunch of the series of his life where he's in all these different roles, right? Um, you know, whether it be Admiral Naismith or, you know, Lord Lieutenant Vorkosigan or Lord Auditor Vorkosigan. And so there is the issue of, well, what does, you know, Count Miles Vorkosigan, uh, you know, look like as a character? Count Miles Vorkosigan and Emperor Gregor, you know, as older fellows with family, uh, you know, I, I, I would love to see as a cap stone uh, you know a last book chronologically in this series i'd like to see that i'd like to see something that almost brings it all the way back around where there are new things happening with with uh with their families but that they're now in that in that you know high level strategic role and see something at, at like that level at the level of the emperor what is the emperor of this empire with many planets and and relations with all of these different powers how does that work and what is that like especially when if miles's kids if they're anything like him are herring off doing crazy things <laughs> right oh yeah yeah exactly i and I, I i she may be going there eventually but that that's the one thing that i i would kind of like to see even a miles story is basically done i'd like to see that kind of capstone of him growing up all the way and being like his dad basically after all of this time and I think that his, his the death of his father at the end of Cryoburn there I said it um, is which happens off screen. He's he's old and he had he had like medical problems. You know, it was not unexpected, but to uh, the reader I guess, but it was unexpected to Miles. I, I I'd like to see that last threshold crossed and and uh, sort of see that you know his dad's gone. He's now the count. Uh, Gregor's been on the throne for a long time. And what's that like? Where Miles has to like be responsible in a way that he's and he's got kids and he's married in a, in a way that he never had to before but i don't know so it's it's great i hope she keeps keeps writing this stuff because they're fun and the universe is really just so deep and the characters are great that that the more the better i think i agree yeah <laughs> yeah i really i enjoyed this more than uh any book in this series since i don't know civil campaign maybe yeah, diplomatic immunity is not my favorite. It was it was the one that came out right after I so I had read the entire series and then diplomatic immunity came out like right after I finished reading everything up to that point and it was kind of a it was kind of a letdown for me. It was not my favorite book because in part because we had just left a civil campaign which is so it has so much right. stuff in it and it's so uh the t- the pace of it is so you know fast and it involves so many characters that we know and we love and then we get thrown away into this entirely different realm where we don't really know most of the characters and so it's like leaving the comfort of your right. home and and i felt like you know i i, I was not as engaged cryoburn had things that i liked in it um but it was not yeah it wasn't my favorite in the book yeah. but i mean it wasn't bad it just it we talked about we that talked on, about on the Hugo yeah. show. We talked about Cryoburn too, and I, you know, I think we all said it's not it's not bad, but it, it was, you know, it's tough to to stack up against. There are so many books in the series that are really really yeah. good. Yeah, oh, and and so what I'd say about about this book is, I thought this book was way better than Cryoburn, <laughs> and better oh, yeah. than Diplomatic Immunity. I mean, by by a long shot, and and that's good. That's it's sort of unexpected. Well, it's nice because it gave it. It was a, it was a, it was an opportunity, I think, to break the mold a bit too, right? Oh yeah. By doing Ivan and by doing something that's a little bit lighter, it was an opportunity to go outside the formula that I think we've dealt with with Miles now, which is Miles goes somewhere. There's you know mayhem and and right. problems, and he sort of gets himself into trouble and then gets himself out of trouble and gets really clever and solves everything. Right. You know, Cryoburn I mean, was different because it was trying to tell a story about Miles from somebody else's perspective, so that you right. got to see what how other people see Miles, but you know. This was this was a this was a better book, so I assume it'll just get nominated for a Hugo Award because they all do now. And then we will we will have read it uh, for the big Hugo Award yeah. podcast. Yeah, maybe, maybe this time I'll get around to reading the rest of them. People in the future 
who have been instructed by ourselves in the future to refer back to this episode because this is where we talked about that episode that's going to get nominated in the summer of 2013 for the Hugo. Hi, everybody in 2013 who are listening. (laughs) Thanks for coming back to our episode from 2012. I hope you're enjoying your jetpacks in the future. Yeah. 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 And, I ho- and I hope I don't have to read the third. Mira Grant book got nominated. Yes. I can't believe I, it. I hope not. I hope not. It's going to be okay, guys. It's going to be okay. Uh, I hope so. Thanks for assuring me there, Dan. I'm, I'm here for you. Wow, this is book club two weeks in a row. How about that? It's crazy. We should, we should stop reading stuff. Yeah, I seriously. Agree. Quit while we're ahead. Seriously. I, I, uh, what am I doing? I, 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 I'm we're yeah, trying to read. Reading? I'm trying to read. Uh, well, we you know we we did this a week ago. So are we reading anything different? I, well, I finished the Captain's War Patrols of Alliance, which oh, I was that's reading, <laughs> and I finished the book I was reading and read another book. Wow, I'm, I'm you know what Scott? You're I'm an struggling through um, uh, <laughs> Lost in a Good Book, a Thursday next novel. Oh, struggling, struggling, struggling. I am hey. kind of struggling, and it. it's mm. not really going very well for me. But you know, maybe it'll pick up. It's although his his. Uh, his character names make me laugh and laugh and laugh because they're so ridiculous. I, I feel like Jasper Ford is the kind of author that you will immediately like or immediately dislike. Well, that hasn't happened with me. Well, <laughs> either I'm either wrong, way, apparently. I'm in the. I'm well, in I know the that was not Glenn started trying to read it, and he yeah, just Glenn thought it was super. Like it. Wow, I'm surprised. I I really enjoy. I really like Jasper Ford a lot. I don't know. I, I'm I'm on the fence about Jasper. I think I've read everything that he has written. Wow. Even his letters, his private letters, Dan. <laughs> I read his email. Wow. <laughs> I read his I read his tweets. <laughs> oh, I do amazing his tweets as well. I enjoy his tweets about uh, hotel I enjoy his carpets. tweets as well. They're, yes, hotel carpet pictures. <laughs> <laughs> He's a very strange man. <laughs> yes. Um uh, I am reading have either of you read this uh this sci fi series The Lost Fleet? By Jack Campbell. Oh, I have a couple of those books. I haven't read any of them. No, I think I have one of those, but I haven't read it. It's interesting. I, it's, <laughs> I like the premise a lot. Really? I am I'm curious to see if as the book and I guess this is a longer series. We'll see if I finish the first book, if I'm compelled to go on to the rest of the books in the series. I had some trouble with the writing in the first uh, book. Um Though it is very much like, you know, it's clearly something that's sort of action-packed and designed to get you, like, sucked in. But having come right off of Captain Board Patrol's Alliance, it, you know, it was kind of like looking at <laughs> two books and being like, these are not necessarily the same caliber. <laughs> um, I, I just, I, I had really trouble with the beginning of this book because I felt like all the characters were talking to each other and they were all saying exactly what they mean. Like, that's to a point worst. where it's like people don't people don't do that. <laughs> people don't talk like, you know, right. It's that that straightforwardly. <laughs> so we'll see. I'm I'm still reading it. I will finish it and see uh see if I'm compelled to go on. It's apparently a quite lengthy series. <laughs> Scott, uh, um what what should I read next? I have on my Kindle mm-hmm. right now, I have uh Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. I have mm-hmm. Consider Flebus. By, oh, by, by Ian Banks. Well. I've, I've read both of those. And I have Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry I've read Bradshaw. all three of these. I've read all three of those as well. I didn't ask you, Dan. No, Why I can't not? You, Dan, I've read Dan. all three of those. What should right. I read next? Of those three, I would pick I'll consider, Flabus. Uh, Flabus, yes, because I love the culture books. All right. And it is the 25th anniversary of the culture series. Uh, so you can read that and enjoy the ship names. Okay. As much as you Dan, it. do you agree or disagree? Uh, that I, I like the culture.